Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Pastor Tom, thank you for leading us through the morning thus far. Peter, thank you for reading. Stephen Robin, I forgot the name. Every week I give Stephen Robin a new name for their band. Um, I forgot what I gave their name, what name I gave them this week. But Oh, yeah, 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 Stephen the Bird. <laughs> I think it was something more eloquent than that, maybe. Bird song, I don't know, I don't know. But this week we begin, speaking of songs, in the book of Psalms. Um, And I'm not going to bore you too much, though I may bore you just a little bit here at the beginning. Because oftentimes, here's a couple things that happen with the Psalms. Sometimes we look at them and we we say, ah, you know, these were written for a specific group of people at a specific time, and we can pull out some truth from them, but these aren't really for us. That's one thing that we can say or we can assume. Another thing that we can sometimes do is think that uh, these psalms are somehow, uh, well, some people don't like poetry, right? Poetry seems mysterious, it seems confusing, Or some people don't like music. I don't understand that, but some people don't like music. So we see songs written in a way that doesn't read like a novel, and we suddenly think, uh, I don't understand what's happening here. But for us today, the Psalms are still extremely important. And I want to just give you a little bit of a breakdown of the Psalms real quick, okay? And then... Again, I'm not going to bore you for too long, but just for a short time. Um, Within the book of Psalms, uh, there are actually five books. Uh, They're broken down into different lengths. There's uh, 41 Psalms in the first, 17 in two of them. Okay, you get the idea. But each of these five books hold a different significance, a different importance. For instance, the first book of the Psalms is kind of related to the book of Genesis. Each of the five books is related to the first five books of our Bibles. Now, this doesn't have to be where we go every Sunday, but just know that when you're reading a psalm within this first five, within this first book, it's related to worshiping God as our Creator. Uh, And all of these, I'll give you this in a little um, worksheet or a little uh, paper up here next week, so you don't have to worry about taking all these notes. But simply to say that when we look at the book of Psalms, it looks like someone just decided to uh, clear out their record player and throw everything into a big box, okay? They they took all, all the songs off the radio, and they just put them into a box and said, here's a book, all right? But actually, there's a lot more organization than that in the Psalms. Also, the Psalms are to be used for praise. In fact, that is what the word Psalms means. 
praises. Or you may have seen the word psalter, and this is a book of praises. Um, And what do we mean by praise? I know that sounds silly because, well, we do that every week. We read the word in songs. We hear it on the radio. But it simply means to speak, to tell, to proclaim, to magnify, to glorify, to show the goodness and the greatness of God. So all of these words fall under this, this bigger idea of praise. And it's something that we are expected to do as Christians, right? Just because this is a book in our Old Testament does not mean that this is a book only for a past time. Interestingly enough, too, the Psalms are used both for teaching and encouraging in a group, but then some Psalms are used for individual purposes, just for you or anyone throughout history to sit down and to read And know that God is meeting you where you are at. Also, the Psalms are, each of those five books starts with an invitation. An invitation to come and worship God. Or gives you a reason why you should worship God. And it ends with a doxology. Or uh, praising God. uh, Wrapping it all up in a bow at the end, okay? Okay. And then lastly, the, the psalms are, were previously used as a liturgy, or different songs were to be used at different times of the year to remember different things that God had done. It includes notes on who wrote them, and the instruments that are used, and different musical hints. All that to say, though, these books go throughout a very large portion of Israel's history. We have at least one psalm written by Moses, and we have psalms potentially written all the way up into uh, the time of God's people coming back out of exile after the book of Isaiah. So this is over a thousand years that these different songs were written. Okay? A thousand years. (laughs) Um, Again, that's one of those numbers that just blows my mind. I can't comprehend it. But what we can say is that God the Holy Spirit was working to bring these songs together, to bring these poems together, to bring these praises together. And again, I'll have all this for you next week, um, but there's all different types of psalms, okay? There's nature psalms, and there are psalms of praise. There are royal psalms talking about kings. There are what we call imprecatory psalms. These are psalms that show us how to be angry with God and still show love for God and still allow God to speak truth to us so that when we go to Him, we don't leave angry. There are songs that show us how healthy ways to be happy, healthy ways to be sad. And if you want a simple way of looking at the Psalms, we can just look at them as Psalms of praise or Psalms of joy and Psalms of lament. And now, most of you probably won't remember, I'm not expecting you to, but we did a three-week series just on lament. I don't even remember when, 2016 maybe, okay? And... Lament psalms actually make up the most of all of the psalms. Sadness 
is a big part of the songs of God's people. Sadness is a big part of the songs of God's people. In them you see language of suffering. You see cries for help and cries for salvation. Also, almost a third, a little over a third of the quotations of the Old Testament in the New Testament, so quotes from Jesus, from Paul, from Peter, from John, all these guys, a third of the quotes, or 33% of the quotes, um, are, are from the book of Psalms. Right? Psalms are important. That's what I want to get across to you. Psalms are important. And here's a big idea, just when we approach the Psalms in general, okay? The Psalms show how to worship and praise God in a way that God wants. And that's really important. It's really important because we can think of all kinds of ways that we think God wants us to praise Him. But, oftentimes that leads us down a path of actually doing things that we want instead of what God wants from us. They show His character, His goodness, and His greatness. And here's another thing. When we're reading the Psalms, um, Tara might disagree with this, okay? But I'm not a very emotional person. And I can stand up here and I can preach, but I can't use words that are going to change your hearts. I can't even use words that are going to change my heart. I can't use words that are going to force sadness or force joy or force anger or force gladness. I can't do any of that. But the Psalms give us a range of emotion, right? From sadness to happiness, from anger to joy. And they they show us that this range of emotion that we all have, God meets us where we are at. Okay? He meets us where we are at, and He cares for us in that place. So that's kind of a big idea of, of what the Psalms are teaching us. Okay? So, as we go through different Psalms, and as we have different people preaching, uh, know that these things, these songs are the things that should be driving your heart. Okay, these are the things that should be driving your heart. In fact, just the other day, one of my kids came to me and um, they were talking about how they felt they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Okay, and now you can relate to this because you do this too. Okay, (laughs) Um, they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. And I said, why did you do that? And my child said, well, because I was sad and I didn't know what else to do and I feel like nobody loves me. Okay? That makes no sense. Because I said, I said, I'll just say it. It's Finnegan, okay? Don't tell him I said It's Finnegan. And I said, Finnegan, what about this time that we just spent together talking about how much I love you literally a half of an hour ago? But see, his heart covered over that love. <laughs> his heart covered over that love with lies of no one loves me. And Christian, you and I do this too. Uh, We say to ourselves that 
God, God doesn't love us because he's not blessing us in this way or this way or this way or my day is awful or my life is awful or whatever it is. I'm angry so I can take out my anger on this person or that person. But here's the deal. All of these emotions, all these things that we feel, uh, they can drive us to a place where God doesn't want us to go. In fact, within the Psalms, God shows us how we should look at those emotions, how we should look at those desires, those passions, um, our affections, those things on the outside of us that affect us and make us do things that are good or bad or whatever. Um, The Psalms lead us down a path of understanding how to deal with all of these things. So this morning, as we walk into Psalm 1, this is an opening to the first book of the Psalms, but also to the entire 150 Psalms. In fact, if we were to look at Psalm 1 as we're about to do, and then look at Psalm 150, we would see that God's instruction is what leads to righteousness. And righteousness, by following God's instruction in Psalm 150, continues on into leading to praise and to joy. So we have bookends, right, that say God's instruction is important and it leads to joy. Listening to God leads to righteousness, which leads to joy despite the fact that there are going to be times of drought, there are going to be times of struggle and of sadness and of lament and of anger, eventually it leads to praise and to joy forever. So let's get started here. We're going to make a couple of uh, passes of Psalm 1. Because as we're going to see here, one thing that is important for us to do is to be meditating on God's Word. Now, some people, you use the word meditate, and they think of, you know, maybe sitting in a corner, a room, a quiet place, and humming, or um, uh, I'm not even going to go there, okay? Meditating, we don't really know what that means, but we could say it like this, just sitting quietly with God's Word, and going over it again, and again, and again, So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to fly over Psalm 1. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to fly over Psalm 1 again. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. Because I want you to meditate on it. I want our study here of Psalm 1 this morning to be a practice of what you're going to do for the rest of this week in the Psalms. Okay? So blessed or blessed, however you want to say it, right? Blessed is the man. Women, don't get offended, all right? The psalmist is talking to you too, all right? So blessed is the man. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Just a couple of observations. Meditating on this passage. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the person. You can be blessed. There is a way to be blessed. 
Here's three practical ways that will lead you to being blessed, okay? Not walking in the counsel of the wicked. That is, not listening to people that don't understand who God is. Nor standing in the way of sinners. That is, not looking like the people of this world, but looking like the people of God. Or sits in the seat of scoffers. And it's interesting because what we see here is someone that's walking, right? They're moving along. And then all of a sudden they get distracted by something. And they're standing. And then eventually they're sitting down. And this is a person that has gotten comfortable with sin. This is a person that's gotten comfortable with sinners. This is a person that's gotten comfortable with their own wickedness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that word wicked, um, that sounds very strong. It sounds very harsh, right? And we will talk a little bit more about what this word wicked means because we think of, well, someone that is pure evil, I mean, a murderer, a whatever, that's a wicked person. But I think that this psalm, as well as the rest of God's word, points to a different definition for the word wicked, a different meaning for that word. So we're not standing in the counsel of those that don't love God. We're not uh, standing with sinners. We're not sitting in the seat of scoffers, mocking those that do love God and follow his commandments. But here's what we are doing. We are delighting in the law of the Lord. Now again, law, wow. Come on, psalmist, what are we doing here? Talking about law, talking about the wicked. What is this law? What do you think of when you think of law? And I'm not talking about speed limits, traffic cameras, or anything like that, okay? What I'm talking about is you're probably thinking about the Ten Commandments, right? Or you're thinking about some other laws that we see in the Old Testament. And that is true. That is true. However, another way that we could look at law here is look at it the way that a Jewish person would have looked at it. See, they would have seen everything in the first five books of our Bible as law. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's the creation story and stories about Moses and Abraham. How is this all law? That isn't... Another way that we could translate this word here is instruction. Okay? The instruction of the Lord. But his delight is in the instruction of the Lord or the teachings of the Lord. This includes all of that and it includes God's law. And it is on his law that he meditates day and night. When we are meditating day and night, I can tell you one thing. We're not doing it out of obligation. We don't open up our Bibles day and night because we think that we're expected to. At least I don't. I fall beneath the weight of that. His delight is in the law of the Lord. 
If we are going to open up our Bibles day and night, if we're going to have God's Word flowing through our hearts and through our brains and out of our hands later, if we're going to do that, it's because we delight in it. It's going to be because we love it. So do you love God's instruction? On the flip side of that, what is a scoffer? What is a sinner? Uh, What is a wicked person? It's a person that doesn't do this. It's a person that does not delight in the law of the Lord. It does not, that person does not delight in the instruction of God. So oftentimes, and it's not bad, we could look at verse number one and we could say, well, We could even point fingers at this past week and say, well, I saw a lot of people walking in the way of the wicked and throwing stones in the way of the unrighteous and burning tires in the way of the scoffer. We could do that, and that's not untrue, okay? (laughs) That's not untrue. But that specific of an application isn't where the psalmist is trying to take us here. The psalmist isn't trying to say, stop doing bad things. And do good things. No, 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 no. The psalmist is saying, delight yourself. Love God's instruction. Love God. Love God. And here's what happens for someone that actually loves God's instruction. That has it flowing through them day and night, all the time. He is like a tree. That person is like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit, that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. We're going to come back to that as well. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So, what does a person look like that, that loves God? And his word so much that he thinks about it or that person thinks about it all the time. What does that person look like? A tree that's planted beside water. And this tree yields its fruit in season. Good things grow from this tree at the time that it's supposed to grow from this tree. And its leaf does not wither. Now, because this is a song, because this is a poem, it's kind of difficult language to sort through, but why would the tree's leaf wither? Well, think about it like this. Think about if you have a tree planted next to water, but all around it is just sand. Okay? If that tree were two meters that way, What's going to happen to that tree? Its leaf is going to wither. It's not going to give fruit when it should be giving fruit. It's going to give fruit when the rain is right and when the sun is right, when it's not too hot, when it's not too cold. But here, this tree, this tree planted by the water, is going to be fruitful. It's going to be growing. It's going to be growing strong. In fact, its roots are going to be going deeper and deeper into this water that is God's word. 
that is God's instruction. And that tree will only grow to love that instruction more and more. That tree will only delight in that instruction more and more. And I cannot help when I see, and we talked about this in Isaiah as well, but when you see a picture of a plant growing well in Scripture, you know what this should make you think of? This should make you think of Eden, okay? This should make you think of a new creation that is coming. Why? Because that's how we're going to grow. That's how things were supposed to grow, and that's how we're going to grow. This water, this word from God gives joy and it gives life and it doesn't stop giving joy and it never stops giving life. But the wicked are not so. So the wicked aren't planted deep. Their roots aren't going underground. In fact, the wicked aren't even a tree. They're chaff. Now that's a funny word, but do you know what chaff is? I... I only think of oatmeal when I think of chaff, okay? Because, you know, I hate it when the, the oatmeal, I make it and it looks so creamy and delicious and then I take a bite and there's all these husks, right? It's the outside shell of the oats still in there, okay? And what good is that? It's not good. It gets stuck in my teeth, right? It makes me not want to eat my oatmeal anymore because this chaff that's in there. It's like when I open up a, a, a bag of flour for bread and I go to mix it and then I look in there and there's little stalks from all of the wheat that was chopped down and there's the, the husk of the wheat or the chaff from the wheat in there. And I know as soon as I get done baking that loaf of bread, which we're going to share together later today, it's going to be little like kernels in there, right? There's going to be little shells in there. But here's the deal, here's the deal. I'm getting all, you know, I get into my food when I'm talking, all right? So forgive me for that. Here's the deal, though. This chaff, what, what does it do? Well, if you actually get the chaff out of the grain, what happens? It blows away. There's no nutrition in the chaff. There's no nutrition in that shell. You can eat it, but you're not going to be healthy. If you are the chaff, you're blowing away. You think that you have control of your life, but you're just floating off into the wind, the psalmist says. And here's another thing that happens to the chaff. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is judgment. There is judgment. As we saw in Isaiah What is judgment usually described as in the Bible? Fire, right? Oftentimes it's described as fire. And this is also how you get rid of chaff, by burning it. This chaff that blows away, one day will burn away. The unrighteous person, the wicked person, cannot stand like a tree. They're going to get blown away nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, we're all sinners here, right? Um, This word congregation, we talked about this in the state of the church, week number one this year, and this is just the gathering of God's people. Specifically here, it was the gathering of God's first people, Israel, okay? Um, But this goes for all of God's people of all time. 
What is this talking about? Those that do stand in the judgment. They do stand before God and God declares them righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus. And they don't blow away and they don't burn up, but they stand amongst all of God's people praising Him, glorifying Him. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Look, God knows. And in the Bible, when you read the word knows, not knows, knows, um, it means something deeper than just like, I know today is Sunday. Yes, I know. No, this is the same word that's used in Genesis when it says that Adam knew his wife Eve and she bore a child. This is an intimate knowledge. Um, We read it elsewhere in in the Psalms. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. Psalm 37, the Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. Psalm 144, O Lord, what is man that you regard him or the son of man that you think about him? Think and regard there or that no word. In Nahum, we read this, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. This is the kind of knowledge that God has about the way of the righteous person. It's someone that he holds close to himself. But the way of the wicked will perish. Let's make one more pass, okay? Uh, Look, here's the deal. I got three minutes, maybe five minutes. Give me seven minutes, okay? Give me seven minutes. Uh, (laughs) I could go on for three weeks on this psalm. Uh, This week, I was actually very nervous about getting 10 minutes out of this psalm. And as the week went on, it's just been weighing so heavy on my soul that I am unsure as to how to talk about everything in this psalm right now. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We know this. When we come to church on a Sunday, this is what we want to be seeing happen and hearing happen. We want to see God's word read. We want to see God's word preached. We want to see it prayed. We want to see the language of the Bible in our prayers. We want to see God's word used in our praise, which I loved singing Psalm 23 today for that reason. This is an actual song written by God the Holy Spirit and given to us. We should sing it. And then later we're going to get to see the word of God pictured in the Lord's Supper. But this person's delight is in the law, the instruction, the word of the Lord. And on this word, he meditates day and night. Church, when we come together, what we are doing is we are hearing a word from God that doesn't come from me and it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from our fallen, broken down souls our feelings, our emotions, that 
are good and they are talked about in the Psalms and they are used in the Psalms and yet they can deceive us. We can lie to ourselves. What we need every single Sunday and what we need every single day is to be meditating on a word that does not come from you and it does not come from me. We each of us need a word from God that is going to shake us out of ourselves, that's going to shake us out of our sin. It's going to keep us from being bent in on ourselves. And instead, it's going to be sending us and and bending us towards God and His ways and His Word and what He desires for us. This is why we focus on the Word being read, preached, prayed, praised with, and pictured on a Sunday. Not just because it's practice for the week, though it is, but because we need it. We need to be meditating on the Word all the time in everything that we do. We want it to be flowing through our hearts, flowing through our brains. It needs to be shaping our souls. And when we do that, when we do that, we will be like trees that have our roots deep beside a running river of water. We will yield the fruit. We will be fruitful. We will grow the way that God wants us to grow. And even when the desert creeps in around us, even when things get hard, we will not shrivel. We will not die. And in everything that we do, we will prosper. That sounds scary, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, We had some friends over for dinner last week, or last night, rather, and... um, their pastor this past week in the or just recently in their service, they took the offering and then he went up to them and he said, Show me your wallets. And he took all the money out of their wallets. And he said, That's how you should be sacrificing to the Lord. And then after the service, he said, No, I'm I'm not really going to take this money from you. Go ahead and take it. But you really shouldn't take money from the Lord. Okay. <laughs> um That's a different kind of prosper than what we're talking about here. Because if you'll just notice, the the leaf could wither. The desert could creep in around you. Things could be awful. There could be sadness. There could be lament. You could be angry. And yet, we prosper. How is that possible? Paul shows us some good examples of this. In Philippians chapter 3, we read this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as filth. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is not expecting to prosper except for in that Christ 
holds him safe. And he will be one that is resurrected. He will be one that stands in the judgment. Not like the wicked that blow away in the wind. This is what Paul is anticipating. And this is what prospering looks like for Paul. Uh, We could go to Romans chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 6, which are all great examples of this as well, but we're not going to take the time to do it. You will not be like the wicked, that like chaff are blown away in the wind. You will not be like the wicked who cannot stand in judgment. You will be the righteous person that stands among God's people. For the Lord will know you. He will know your ways. He will affirm you. He will say that what you are doing is good. He will approve of you and he will love you. That's where we have to end for right now. But one more thing that we have to clear up. I say all this, and you should be meditating on God's word day and night. Here's the truth, though. I don't do that. I don't do that. In fact, this week, even when I was supposed to be meditating on this one passage, I've read it over and over and over again, and it was like there were scales on my eyes. It's like I couldn't actually see it for what it was. Uh, Christian, you're going to fail this week. You're going to fail this week. You're you're not going to live absolutely righteously. Um, You might think, maybe there's a day that you think that you do. I would encourage you to go outside and be around another person, and then you'll see that you're not as righteous as what you thought you were sitting by yourself, right? Look, you're going to fail this week. Um... But that's okay. I'll tell you why that's okay. Christian, you may sit in the seat of scoffers this week. You may sit down and be comfortable with your sin. You might be walking along and, and, and you might uh, be thinking in a way that is not godly. You might be thinking something about yourself that your heart is telling you that this does not tell you. But here's the good news. Jesus, our Savior, was perfectly righteous. He he was that tree that is planted by the stream of water. He is the stream of water, giving life and righteousness and beauty and growth, showing love. But, despite the fact that he was perfectly righteous, he was counted as the sinner. He was counted as the scoffer. He was counted as the wicked one. So that we could be counted as the righteous one. So that you and I can stand in the day of judgment. So that we can be that tree drinking from that river, growing 
so that our roots will grow deep and that we will understand God's love for us. Christian, or everyone, if you're here today and you don't understand that, if you don't understand that you're not righteous and that Christ was perfectly righteous, And he was treated as chaff blown away in the wind so that you could stand tall with Christ on the day of judgment. Then we need to talk, okay? I'm going to pray for us. Um, We're going to go to the Lord's Supper here in just a couple of minutes. And very similar to the word that we got to hear Peter read this morning, the word that we got to hear sung this morning, the word that I got to preach this morning, uh, what's going to be pictured up here today is the word of God as well. It's something that Jesus gave to us to remember him, to grow in him. To grow in righteousness, not to fall back into wickedness. To be able to look at our neighbor here this morning and say, brother, sister, I hope you're doing well. Brother, sister, take part in this meal so that we can grow together. And we let this little meal be uh, a part of this stream that we're drinking out of today that's driving our roots down deep. Let me pray for us. God, you know us. You know our souls. You know where we walk. You know where we stand. You know with whom we sit ourselves next to. God, I pray for each of us today that you will build in us a desire to be seated, studying your word, walking with your word on our hearts, standing with your word ready to share it with the person next to us. God, I pray that we will have your word planted deep in us for your glory and for our good and for our neighbor's good. Father, we do desire to be living on your word all of the time, to be thinking about you in a way that you have told us about yourself, not just some way that we make up, not out of some cold duty, but because we love you and you have, you have given to us your word. Lord, the culture around us tells us to grab a hold of the blessings that are out there just waiting for us. That surely you want us to have what we want. And if we love you, you'll give it to us. And then those things will replace, us, replace you. That's what the culture around us tells us. That's what the world around us tells us. But this is a twisting of your words, just like that serpent did and does.
You show us by Your Word that this is the scoffer, that that is the mocker, the liar standing in the way of Your truth. Lord, plant us deeply in Your life-giving Word. Make us stand strong like a tree next to water that nourishes no matter what is going on around us. God, help us to see that we have not prospered if our souls have not grown closer to You. If we have not been made more like Your Son, Jesus. If we do not love You with our whole self and love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to know that we are not rich in blessing unless it is a blessing that will last forever. That we are not wise unless it is a wisdom that we have that leads to salvation. Because God, we do not want to be controlled by our wicked hearts, made slaves by our sin, while all the while calling ourselves free. We know that that way leads to judgment. That that way leads to withering and blowing away and being burnt up, being empty. That it is a way that leads to death. God, you have promised to give us life and to give it abundantly. And we know that despite the fact that the desert might be creeping in around us sometimes or all the time, that that life still awaits us if we know your Son Jesus as our Savior and as our righteousness. God, if there's anyone in this room today that does not know Jesus as their Savior, Lord, will these very hard words in this psalm grab a hold of their soul? May your word do that, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Because of the death of your son Jesus, I ask that you would save that person. And Lord, give each of us the wisdom that we need going in this week to share that good news with anyone that we come across. God, we love you. And we pray all of this in your name. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.